Now it's time for a breakdown. You're listening to Gap to Gap, brought to you by The Breakdown. That one's drilled deep to left field. Going back, choice. Looking up. See ya. 3,000. History with an exclamation point. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Swing and a drive to deep right, away back, goal! Jason Giambi has done it! What's up and welcome, this is episode 6, Tommy Caroselli alongside Real 7 Costanza, and the summer's heating up, and, and so are these battles uh, in the Division 7, what's going on man? Not too much. Uh, a lot of news coming out right now. Some interesting matchups this week, so we should just get right into it. Yeah, let's get right into it. AL East is the one that's heating up and the one that draws my eyes, and I'm, I'm sure you're just loving it as uh, <laughs> your Yankees and the Rays are duking it out for first. Uh, you guys are in the Bronx this week. Uh, Yankees, as we're recording, have a 3 nothing lead in the Monday game, um, and then you got the Strohs coming to town right after. Tough week for the Bronx Bombers. Yeah, um, so I was happy to get out of Chicago, um, splitting the series with the White Sox. Um, coming back home, thought, you know, this this is fine. They'll regroup. They're getting healthy. And then I saw the schedule. We got the uh, the Rays for three. And then right after, Houston comes in for four uh, as part of a 10-game homestand. So not easy at all. Uh, there's a half game separating the Rays and the Yankees as of this recording right now. Uh, be one and a half if they hold on. But yeah, it's a big week for the ALEs, the Yankees, and the Rays in general. I'm just looking at it in terms of how the Yankees match up with both these teams. The pitching's been kind of shaky lately. They have Stanton coming back on Tuesday, Judge hopefully by the end of the week. So we'll see if uh, the Yankees' big bats are what they were promised. Um, but yeah, so far, so good as a Yankees fan watching this game a little bit. But it's going to be a tough, uh, tough week ahead. So speaking of the big bats, the the Yankees go out and in typical Yankee fa- fashion just go get the home run leader. Who's leading it? Yeah, let's go get him. <laughs> Edwin Encarnacion now in pinstripes. What are your thoughts on that move? So for the move that the trade itself was fine. I'm actually a huge fan of it because they gave up literally nothing. Um, basically, they it's it was almost like a free agent signing because uh, they they really just absorbed the contract. They gave up a, a minor league pitcher who was actually on the Mariners prior. Um, so he's going back to Seattle. The only thing that I guess as just a fan of the chemistry that this team has right now is there's been some things that have to be shuffled. Uh, there's implications for a few players. Brett Gardner being one, uh, he's probably going to see a, a big reduction in playing time moving forward. Although he, he's been playing a lot more than he expected anyway with all the injuries. So I think this gives them a little bit more flexibility to play the way that they envision themselves playing coming into the season. Uh, The other one that gets affected more is Clint Frazier. And, Tommy, you're uh, you're ex-Indian over there. Yeah. Not really uh, lighting up the headlines for the wrong reasons here in the Bronx. But he's a big – he's kind of the biggest casualty right now for the Encarnacion deal. 
Um, but yeah, I, I like the deal for what it is. As you said, they get the home run leader. They don't really have to give up much. It's almost like an in season uh, signing more than a trade, to be honest. But I'm interested to see how he'll fit in because they have so much right-handed power in this lineup, and I feel like it's just an embarrassment of riches at this point, on paper at least, when everyone's healthy. Yeah, and after seeing Edwin Encarnacion in an Indians jersey for a couple years there, um, you know, he's going to he's gonna feast in that sandbox you guys call a ballpark. <laughs> um, like, it's what, 314 to left? No, no, no! It's three sixteen to left, three fourteen to right. Oh, okay. Sorry, my mistake. Yeah, those, those extra twenty four inches. <laughs> those extra twenty four inches are gonna make a big deal for Edwin. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but you mentioned Clint Frazier, and and you mentioned he was an Indian, uh, or well, he was a, a farm piece for the Indians. He was a guy I was really sad to see go in the uh, Andrew Miller deal, and then I never, you, we never saw him really materialize. Uh, into the prospect he was claimed to be. You've seen him more than I have. What are your thoughts on Frazier? So the thing with Frazier is I if the Yankees had that spot open for a DH or if he could play any other position but outfield, I wouldn't mind it, but he's such a liability in the field. And it's just kind of a travesty when you look at it because like, you don't have a position for the guy. You gave up Andrew Miller to get him, Justice Sheffield, who's now in the Mariners. Um... So this trade is kind of a watch for me at this point. I think so. I shouldn't say that because Frazier has been really good with the bat this year for the limited time he's played, and he's actually done more than I thought he would. Uh, he has a great OPS. Um, actually, his OPS this year in the majors is I think identical to Mookie Betts, which kind of speaks to how good of a hitter this guy could be if he had consistent playing time. But just watching the antics, though, too, his the way he addresses the media, it's kind of immature. Um, then he won't talk to the media. He deleted his, his Instagram account today after he got demoted back down to AAA. So he's taking it like a champ, clearly. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like him, but I think this was a great audition for him to be set up as a potential trade piece. Yeah, and you mentioned the immaturity. According to one Yankee source, uh, Frazier is more worried about getting a shoe deal than improving as a player. And and you got to question the maturity. Uh, like you said, deleting the Instagram. I, I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not sold on on the Clint Frazier story yet. No, and I think that it, it was funny too. You mentioned that because even going into Chicago, um, instead of. Because the whole team, I, not to say like you have to be, you know, in the in the in the game every second, but leading into there on their travel day, he was like tweeting at everyone in Chicago, asking them to send him a certain pair of shoes so we could turn him into cleats. Just like shit like that must drive them nuts, uh, especially when the Yankees, when you're under the microscope there in New York, and people are going to talk about just stuff like that. Uh, yeah, but there was there was no clear playing time for him anymore. He, he definitely hit. I'll give him that. Uh, he definitely earned a look somewhere else, just not on the Yankees. I think he will be a valuable trade piece for his bat. It's just interesting where he can end up because you're essentially talking about a 24-year-old DH at this point because his, his fielding is just so poor. Um, so potential fits for him are going to be kind of limited to, I think, AL teams. And, and with that, I mean, we really haven't seen a player – get pigeonholed into being strictly a dh that early in his career yeah i would say not this young you know we saw it in big poppy you know edgar martinez 
this young. Those are two. Yeah, yeah say, those are two. Those are two extremes. Yeah, I would say those that, are two that, extremes. But yeah, to your point, this young. I mean, I I just can't. Re- I don't. You don't see it that often, right? No. Stanton, when he was with Miami, was obviously an everyday outfielder. Gets traded to the Yankees. He occupied the DH spot a lot last year, but he's going to be playing the field now with Encarnacion there. Um, but yeah, for the most part, you don't really see that with young players. They try to develop them as best they can. And with Frazier, we know he has a strong arm. Um, we know he can hit. He's fast, but just the glove needs work. And whether or not another team takes a, a gamble on that, thinking maybe an NL team takes a gamble on him, but I just don't see it materializing yeah. the way that we think it will. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, but moving on from that, the the Red Sox staying in the AL East, sweep the Orioles this weekend. Uh, they pull within four. But as a reward, they travel to Minnesota to play the hottest team in baseball. <laughs> yeah. um, what do you see? What do you see with the Red Sox this week? This is going to be a big one. So the the series in Baltimore for first off, cancel the fucking Orioles. I've never yep. seen it. They are so bad. It was like watching a fucking little league game, especially the game on Sunday. I could not believe that shit. the The Orioles had many chances to win that game to avoid the sweep. But we're talking about a team who has 50 losses already. And the Red Sox, you know, you can't pick your schedule, but, you know, they got they played them, they, they beat them. Uh, so kudos to them. This is what they've been doing all year, though, right? I, I feel like they have this type of series, and then they play a contender, and we see their true colors again. So this is why this series with the Twins is going to be so important to me, because the Twins pitching, for all we talk about their bats, we kind of forget that their pitching staff has been lights out this year. Uh, you have Odorizzi, Berrios, Michael Pinata Pineda, Pintar Pineda is actually pitching competently. Um, so that's a blast from the past for them. Kyle Gibson has like seven wins. Garbage stat, I know, but still seven wins. So this Twins team is not showing any real holes, um, so to speak. Maybe the bullpen, but... Again, the Red Sox, I feel like they've just been overmatched when they play these good teams all year. And obviously, I'm not a fan of the team, but at some point, you have to think, like, I still keep waiting for them to get get going. And I know that sounds... At what point does the other shoe drop? Right. And, and like, I feel like we're just in this... They're treading water so consistently. And, you know, seeing the Rangers where the Rangers are right now with the Red Sox still neck and neck with them... The White Sox are surprisingly not that far out of that second wild card spot. There's a lot of stuff going on right now. And watching the Red Sox play, they'll beat up on the teams like the Orioles, which you should, and then they play the Rays or the Yankees or whoever it may be uh, that's a better team. And they they seem to just kind of move away from the spotlight and they revert back to being like the Orioles for a couple games there. Yeah, and just to put some tangible numbers on that, uh, the Red Sox, when playing teams below 500, are 23 and 11, and when playing mm-hmm. teams above, are 16 and 23. So, I mean, Oof. hitting the nail on the head there, seven, as per usual. Oh, well, of course, yeah. See, I don't even have to look at the numbers. <laughs> I can just tell you exactly what's going on. In the league. <laughs> but that's a, that's a big series right now. Um, they have Toronto after that to give a little bit of relief. Um, so that's that. There's the Pepto Bismol in the middle of the week for him, I guess, so to speak. But yeah, this is this is big because if you if you think about it, losing to the Twins right now, they could conceivably be seven, eight games back of the Yankees or the Rays, depending on how that series goes. 
So there's a lot that can happen right now. And we were speaking off pod before recording. This week in general for the AL East could make the gap as wide as it could be um, for the foreseeable future as we approach that trade deadline. Or this could shrink it, like George Costanza shrinkage. This could be ridiculous in terms of just the implications this has in the next few weeks when the trade deadline starts to heat up. Because we're talking about potential buyers and sellers, the Red Sox being one of those teams who are very in between right now. As long as the Red Sox stay out of the pool. <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. They got to stay out of the pool. <laughs> All right. Uh, going National League, one of the more entertaining series this year, Padres and Rockies, four-game series. And I hope Jordan was betting the over. 92 runs scored between the two teams in four games. Yeah. Have, have a week, why don't you, boys? Oh, my God. Yeah, this was a crazy, crazy series, too. And it's funny. So I was looking at the team rankings for Colorado because them scoring a lot of runs is no surprise, especially playing in Colorado where the series was. So they average 5.7 runs per game, which is second in the league. And then I looked down to find the Padres. The Padres were 21st in the league. This is still after this series. 21st in the league averaging 4.38 runs per game and when you look at the splits now in the last because it gives the last three days the Rockies are 13 runs per game the Padres are 12.67 runs per game so that just shows you the fireworks that happened in this four game series that this was ridiculous 92 runs scored between these two teams the Rockies again I can see it happening the Padres are like the lightest hitting team in the NL, I feel like. Um, yeah. I, I, I think they are, actually. They might. Oh, no, the Giants are, are worse um, in, in Miami. But still, um, the Padres like came out of fucking nowhere in the series. But, I mean, you look at the scores, 9-6, uh, 16-12, 14-8, 14-13. The series splits 2-2. One of the games goes to 12 innings. Mm-hmm. Just... I mean, <laughs> I I don't even know what to say. Like these are like football like, scores. Yeah, like fourteen Actually, eight, fourteen thirteen. Yep, nine no, six. That sounds like a Browns game. That sounds like the Super Bowl. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, this is crazy. Um, the, obviously, the pitching was not ready to go for either team. Uh, this past four game stretch. But the bats definitely woke up. Uh, Eric Hosmer, have him on the fantasy team. Didn't play him at all because I'm an idiot. Because I keep th- every time I see that guy have a good game, I'm like, ah, he'll go over four with two strikeouts the next day. I was like, there's no way that guy rebounds, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or, so, or stays with it. I don't even know why I have him on my team. He's such a fucking headache. But yeah, no, they, <laughs> I mean they they all came to play. Um, but yeah, the, those the rookie or the not the rookies, but those young pitchers for the Padres. Strom came back, got lit up. Um, they sent Paddock down before this. Probably good for him. He probably, he probably feels great that he had to pitch in this series. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm sure he's loving it down in Double A right now. But yeah, this was out of the, out of control. And, and I mean, we got to talk about Manny Machado, right? Yeah. So Machado, this was yesterday, right? So yeah, sun- yesterday. this was Sunday. Sunday, Machado ejected from the game for aggressively arguing balls and strikes, kind of bumped chests. I didn't think it was this bad of an argument to receive a one-game suspension has been handed down from Major League Baseball. But, I mean, this has kind of been the story of Machado lately. 
and, and I mean like the last year or so is is he kind of stays out of the spotlight until he does something like this and then all eyes on him. I feel like Machado is one of those players that we talk more about his like the bullshit that goes on with him than his actual numbers. Is that yeah. fair to say? At least 100%. in the last two years, hundred um, percent. Because before that, like I couldn't have told you what his numbers look like, but I could tell you all the times he's acted like this. Um, yeah, and it seems it seems to have just like his the diva status on him, man. Because I saw the pitch, it definitely was not a strike. What he got called out on, I agree with him, but at the same time, like, all right, you're gonna get ejected, fine. You, you can argue it. You know, you're gonna get ejected, but like to take it to the level he did, screaming at the umpire, throwing his bat against the cage. Throwing his helmet down. It's like, dude, you know something's going to happen. You're either going to get fined or suspended. He got suspended. The one game, to your point, Tommy, it's just stupid. Like, you're hurting your team now, who's definitely not really in it as much as we thought they would be at this point. But, you know, one game, it's like, really? That's like, I know it's only one game, but still, it's like one game that you could have been in the lineup. I would say it's one game when you're in fourth place. So, at the end, at some point, what does it matter but at the same time it kind of matters so to me it kind of looked like did it almost look like he got ejected on purpose like it's like one of those things like where you're kind of hunting for an ejection it kind of did um and it, was I don't the, spe- it's... it was in the fifth it was his third yeah. at bat of the night they were down by three runs it didn't feel like the time to go fucking nuclear <laughs> but yet that's what he did he slams the helmet. He throws the bat to the backstop. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Again, you can't speculate. But, like, it wouldn't be the first time that a guy said, okay, I'm done. I'm done here, and, and let me just get tossed. Right? But I feel like, it for again, who's to say? Because I, it's not out of character for him to do shit like this. But it was a hit parade, right? This is, this is where you pad your stats. I feel like that's the most important thing yeah. to a guy like Machado, right? Um, yeah, that's but true. Yeah. Especially, especially being in Colorado, like that's the time, you know, get as much launch angle as you can, let it fly. Yeah, for sure. Especially when you're playing on the Padres, who seems to like they can't score runs unless they play in Colorado, apparently. Um, but yeah, I was very surprised at just the reaction, and I shouldn't say surprised. I guess like I was just more, or less, just not a fan of it. Um, yeah. I feel like baseball is one of those sports where, we, like, we don't see a lot of that, and that's kind of refreshing about it. And because it's just guys going out and doing their job, but a guy like Machado, man, he just pisses me off. I'm so, as a Yankees fan, I am very thank you, Brian Cashman, for not signing him. Yeah, so That's all, like I, I I can't take him anymore. So you mentioned the the other sports comparison, and, and this, and if you can't come up with a comp on the spot, don't worry about it. Um, but if you had to c- compare Machado to somebody else in another sport, like I don't think he's Draymond Green level. No. But, but what do you he's think? He's like Odell Beckham to me. He's like Beckham. That's how I see him, at least. I see because he's still productive and he'll do really great things when he's playing. Um, not to say Draymond Green won't for that comp, but I think Machado's whole thing is like he seems to have like these little hissy fits like Beckham when he was fighting the uh, what was it the net <laughs> when he was in yeah, New York kicking net. Yeah. yeah, but like it's like shit like this is like very reminiscent of that where everyone will say, oh, he's just got so much passion for the game. It's like. Or he's just acting okay. like a little bitch, but yeah, I yeah I can either see way, that for sure. Yeah, I don't know. I I know they'll give that excuse because you know he he's marketable. Um, he, he signed that big contract. He was regarded as one of the the top 
third baseman slash shortstops. So the media is going to find a way to, to make this guy come out and, and look like the good guy and everything. Same thing with Beckham. Like they'll they'll talk about him for pieces, but I don't feel like they're ever going to be malicious with him until you know we the fans digest it and take it our own way. Hmm, I like that. I like that a lot. All right, let's stay with Machado. When you look at the the two big signings this year, him and Harper, how would you mm-hmm. grade out their season so far? So I'm looking at Machado's numbers right now, and they're decent. Um, to, I guess that's the only way I can really put it. I would say kind um, of pedestrian for yeah. I mean, not, it's not worth thirty million a year. Yeah, if I if I can quantify it that way, two sixty one average. Yeah, 261, the slugging's down. It's He's only slugging 448, OPS 792. So, I mean, Clint Frazier has a higher OPS than Manny Machado, for Christ's sake. Um, on base percentage, like, you know, 39 ribbies, 41 runs scored. There's nothing here that's, like, jumping out saying that this guy was worth $30 million for, you know, for what the Padres are paying him. I just don't see it. It's almost like the Eric Hosmer signing again with much more fanfare around Machado, but... When Hosmer came over, his numbers were amazing, and they've dropped dramatically in the year plus that he's been there. Yeah, and then for me, looking at, at Bryce Harper, boy, I feel like if you're a Phillies fan, you got to be sick to your stomach. Yeah. 247. No, I mean, is... everything's down from his career numbers across the board. Uh, average is down. On base is down. Slugging's down. OPS is down. OPS plus is down. Homers are down. His war is only a .5 right now. Yeah. This one's interesting, though, because the the thing about Harper is that the RBI numbers are still somewhat there for where we are in the season. So it's not – I can't say he's been completely, you know, nonproductive. Um, the OPS at 820, it's down from his career numbers, but his career OPS going into this 894 is still, you know, above average, near elite. So I'll, true, give him a, true. I'll give him more of a pass than Machado for the fact that he's been more productive with his at-bats when he has – you know, had chances, if that makes sense. But everything else kind of lines up the way Machado's is. The batting average for me, aside from that anomaly of a year in 2015, this is what we're going to get with Harper. He, At best, I think he's right where his career numbers say he is. He's a 270, 280 hitter, but his home run potential's there. It's That's going to be consistent. He walks a lot, so he's always on base. The slugging is what I'd like to see up more because I feel like if the slugging is only at 464, then he must only be hitting home runs. I, and I could be wrong. I don't watch a lot of Phillies games, but I feel like he just needs to be a more consistent hitter than what he's showing. But I think it's funny. His war is only 0.5. Machado's is 1.5. But I feel like Harper has been more productive in his chances. Ooh, I kind of like that take. And he's got 21 doubles to the year on this point, which is uh, – above his career average actually on pace for a career high in doubles okay um i kind of like that take a lot now that now that the more i sit on it and use or i sit on hearing it i should say i kind of like that because yeah you're right the war is down but yeah i mean the 820 uh ops is is what jumps off to me like you said it's down from his career average but it's still really good i'll take that yeah, and I think the Philly the the benefit that Harper has is he plays in an absolute bandbox of a stadium. So the numbers should go up, the power numbers should go up. Um, the Phillies are a good team. He has protection in that lineup more so than Machado has in San Diego. And for he's he's on a first place team. They're more competitive, so he's going to be in more games. 
I don't know. I, I just, I see this as more of, not to say like, and I know that it, it sucks because Harper signed that massive contract too. So 30 million a year for a guy to hit 247, you know, it's not great, but you'll take it with the OPS and what you're seeing there, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right, moving on from the from the big signings, uh, let's go to the National League, or stay in the National League, I should say. Max Scherzer in the Nationals, uh, big week for them. They got seven games with the Braves and the aforementioned Phillies. Um, would, with trade implications on the line, would you call this a, a potentially franchise-shifting week? Yes, absolutely. The, so this is funny. This is the exact opposite of what the Yankees are doing right now in terms of just where they are in their big stretch. Um, the Nationals, for all intents and purposes, need to take at least four out of seven of these games. They're division games, A, so they're important. Um, as it stands today, they're kind of like the Red Sox in that division. They, It's it's not that it's not a winnable division. It's a, it's a winnable division. I just don't think they have the juice to do it. The Nationals seem to be treading water in the same way the Red Sox do, but the Nationals are in more of a position to sell based on the teams around them, if that makes sense. Because I don't think the Sox would sell as hard as the Nationals would if this were to go south this week. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. And the reason... So the big reason that I think it's franchise shifting is because the Nationals, for as bad of a team they've that they are this year... Uh, they committed big money to Corbin as a free agent come over. Um, so that was, you know, they're they're banking on that kind of, I guess, supplanting the loss of Harper. So they lost a lot of production there. They have some young players that are ready to go, but they have some really good trade pieces. Uh, Scherzer, of course, is, you know, that'll get you a king's ransom. He's the blue chip. But then they also have guys like Rendon, uh, former all-star, third base, key position for a lot of teams right now uh we mentioned the rangers in the past on this podcast so that's a big one matt matt fat adams fat adams can (laughs) swing some home runs for you um but he's an attractive piece too just for a bench piece they have some pieces that they can they can shift right now and i don't think this would be franchise shifting in that they would revert back to being like the expos of old but i think (laughs) this would be kind of like a rebuild on the fly uh, yeah, somewhat I would like, agree with that. Yeah, and it, it's very reminiscent for me of kind of like what the Yankees did three years ago when they just started trading off pieces and, you know, no one really saw that from the Yankees. They're always buyers. I think this is an opportunity more than it is like a franchise deflating week um, if it were to go south. I think this is an opportunity for them to revamp that farm system, get back some young arms, just get younger. Um, it's not going to happen overnight. And, so you almost got to take take a year, maybe two, and yeah. step back and say, you know what, we're not going to be in this, but but this is how we're going to rebuild. And like you use you use the term rebuild on the fly, and I like that. I think that's a perfect way of phrasing it. Is we're not going to blow it up and tank. We're not going to be Baltimore, but we are gonna you know stay as competitive as we can. But we're with the ultimate goal of long term success versus short term. Yeah, exactly, and that's the whole thing with the Nationals, too, because that division, when I look at the landscape of it, and maybe you have a different opinion than I do, but the Marlins, for me, are still you know three or four years away from being anything. They're, they're just, yeah, they're not, they're just there. Um, and that's what, that's like a total rebuild. That's like a, they blew that thing up. But the Phillies, 
I don't think their window is as big as people think it is. And I, I just don't see 12 it. 12 years is how long you got Harper for. Well, it's, yeah. I think <laughs> you really – they have 12 years of Harper on contract, but I think you really only have three to four years of Harper yeah. in, in terms of capitalizing while he's you know where he is right now. Definitely. Um, same thing with, like, Real Muto – a lot of these guys are in their prime right now, but you might only have three, four, five years at most to uh, to see uh, this team be as productive as they are. Uh, the Mets are the Mets. They're a punching bag, and we're going to keep talking about them probably every week about how bad they are. But <laughs> I, I, I don't see the Mets being competitive. They're another team I think is going to sell big. The Braves are the only team in this division, really, that you have to worry about, in my opinion, in terms of just their trajectory how everything's kind of clicking right now. They're such a young team. They have everyone under control, team-friendly contracts. So that's the team they got to worry about. And I think the Nationals are a smart enough organization, and they've shown in the past that they know how to develop uh, players and pitchers in particular. So I don't think it's going to be one of those things where they're going to go back to your point, being the Orioles or the Marlins. I think it's just going to be them kind of being in this kind of state where they're treading water. They're going to be competitive, and if it clicks, and then it clicks, and they start winning again before you know it. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. Um, and I had something else to say, but it went right out of my mind window. So, <laughs> uh, moving forward, uh, the Indians, because that's what I go to when my mind goes out the window. Uh, Indians <laughs> currently trailing uh, the Rangers and Mike Clevenger's return to the mound from the DL. They're down five-one right now. Tough night for Clev. Didn't make it out of the fifth. Allowed five, uh, including a home run, and I didn't see how they scored their 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 uh, fourth and fifth run. So it very well might have been another one. But good to see Clev back on the mound. Indians starting to turn the corner, but they got a very very big series right here with Texas. They need, I think you need to at least split with Texas, or else you might be in that Nationals territory of do we blow this thing up? Yeah, and that's a good point too because. This is an. I mean, again, this is one of those divisions. This is essentially like talking about when the Rangers are chasing the Astros. You just you're not going to catch this team. So the Indians are in that position, playing for that wild card spot, uh, probably the second one because we've seen the AL East, and it looks like the first wild card spot is coming out of that. So yep. And right now the Indians it, sit a, a loss back or a game back. I'm sorry of the Rangers for that second wild card spot with four games in front of them this week. Then the Indians run into a very, very favorable part of the schedule. Uh, they go, let me bring it up, uh, while we, we talk about how the Indians have won five straight series, including wow. uh, with My the Yankees. Red Sox, the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Twins, um, and then sweeping Detroit, and there was one before that that's bl- that I'm blanking on. But they swept Detroit this past weekend. Baseball reference wants to ro- load real slow for me because, you know, why wouldn't it be timely when I need it? Um, <laughs> no, and... but you're, you're right, though. This is, I mean, they're competitive again. They're starting to turn the corner. Um, it's good to see that they're beating teams that are, I don't want to say better than them. Is that fair to say? But No, it is. It is very fair to, fair to say. I don't know about the Red Sox, but I, I know the the Yankee series was big and the Twin series, to your point, was huge. That's a division series. Um, anything to move the needle just to get closer is great. But the Tiger sweep, that's for me, that's what I, if I was an Indians fan, that's the stuff that I love seeing, sweeping bad teams like that, just getting yep. the confidence back. Um, because we've talked about it before at length that this team is 
their whole identity is their starting pitching and their pitching in general. So if the pitching isn't where it should be, they're not going to hit. We know that. And I shouldn't say they're not going to hit. They're not going to hit for power. Um, or produce a lot of runs. Yeah, they're not. They're so, not going to pr- pr- exactly. They're not going to produce a lot of runs. You, you, that's a great way of phrasing that. Um, yeah. And and you know what? Like I said, you got a nice portion portion of the schedule coming coming back. You got four uh, with Texas right here, and then you have Detroit again at home, and then Kansas City, Baltimore, Kansas City again. And a lot of those games are at home, and then you don't. I mean, you're not going to play a team over 500 until July 12th when the Twins come back to town. Jesus Christ, that's that's so a have like favorable a stretch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got you got a favorable stretch, and then that uh, that uh, July 12th game is going to be coming out of the All Star break, so you're going to have, you know, hopefully a lot of guys healthy. And uh, yep, I mean, this is a, I think this is a a good. Good little area for the Indians, especially you got com- Trevor Bauer coming off uh, his first complete game shut piece of his career. Um, that was the first I, of his career. First, of, first complete game shutout for him. Really? Yep. Wow, I would not have thought that at all. I wouldn't have either. I was, I was very surprised to see that, that was his first. Wow. Uh, but yeah, so for him, I mean, you got and now you got Clevenger coming back. Granted, little touched up tonight. Um, but dare I say the Indians are starting to turn the corner? I think you dare to say that. I'm... I, I am daring to say it, and the, and I'll reiterate it in my curtain call. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go on the limb right now. Indians are gonna be four back by the All Star break. Oh, you're buying all in right now with that schedule. Yep, yep. I mean, there's there's no reason that we should lose any of these series. Well, so I want to caution you because it's a cautionary tale. Okay. These, so I agree. I think you should win every one of those series, but it's baseball, and very true. Literally, anything could fucking happen. I've seen, like I saw the White Sox split with the Yankees. I've seen, like, there's been crazy series. We just saw 92 runs between the fucking Padres and the Rockies. Um, I agree with you though. I just temper expectations a little bit. My whole thing with this is I remember when the Indians went on that crazy. How many games did they win in a row? Like 20, 21 games in a row. 22, 22 games. in was, a row. Yeah. So, I mean, anything can happen. To, yeah. Uh, but I, I'm not uh, predicting that. Let's make that very clear. <laughs> no, don't worry. He just predicted it. 22 games in a row. Okay. 23. We're gonna, if we're going to go, we're going to go for the LeBron. Okay. Go for All right. In <laughs> Cleveland. Fitting. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, so – I think the Indians are going to turn the corner. I, I like the way they're playing ball right now. I think the pitching staff is going to finally get healthy, and it looks like we're going to drop this one tonight at Texas, but there's still three games left in this series. So let's keep it on the Indians for a second then, because speaking cautionary, if the Indians, for whatever reason, cannot find their footing in this soft spot in the schedule, we got to start talking trades. Potential. I heard from a source today that... Your boy Francisco Lindor potentially could be on the move to the Rays if things do not work out the way that you think they will. If they do not work out the way that I am hoping and praying they will, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I would not be upset about that. Wow. So. 
let me t- let me talk myself into believing this because my Cleveland heart just died a little bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I the, the the ownership the Indians have has made it very very clear that when Lindor's contract is up, he will not be a Cleveland Indian. Uh, yeah. Paul Dolan said that they will be signing $1 billion contracts by the time the Indians give out a $300 million contract. So there's no way, there's not a snowball's chance in hell that uh, Francisco Lindor will be donning the Block C come 2022. So if you can get a King's Ransom for Lindor right now while we're... 11 games back and the twins are having an absolute career year as a, as a ball club. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be upset about it. I, I, I would, I would be sad to see Lindor go. He's one of my favorite Indians that I've had the pleasure of watching in my uh, life as a fan. Um, but if the Indians aren't going to put a winner on the field with him, and, and honestly, as as a Cleveland fan, I kind of had this thought this thought about LeBron that if you know he's gonna go, get rid of him, get yeah. something in return instead of being left at the at the altar crying because your betrothed is now wearing pinstripes, seven hundred million dollars wherever yeah. he's gonna get in twenty twenty two. And that's what's so interesting about this potential trade that I heard about. If he, so it's funny when you think about it because. The Yankees, to your point, makes so much sense. The little pinstripe plug there. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I can see that too. But for the Rays, potentially, as a team in the mix to get Lindor, if they were to give up Wander Franco and a couple other high, you know, high prospects in that system, because their system is deep, so the Indians could potentially walk away with one of the best farm systems after this, just with that trade alone. But it's mm-hmm. funny thinking that the Rays are in a position to do this when the Rays are financially strapped, maybe more so than Cleveland. Yeah, but I mean, I'm I know not... they're not paying him. I know they're not paying yeah. him with the deal. But it's just, it's funny to me thinking like, wow, really the the Tampa Bay Rays are going to make a splash like that? Just well, I think this the... shows. I think this it's shows the, the seven Rays out. This shows the seven Rays fans out there that they're all in. Oh, yeah, yeah, we got to show them, because down in the retirement centers, everyone's watching the Rays intently right now, <laughs> so they got to show them that, hey, we're, we're here to win it all, um, but, yeah. That parade's going to be at 11 a.m. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I can see it. They're going to have their fucking Sanka, and they'll have their walkers <laughs> going down St. <Saint> Pete. <laughs> Boston's got the duck boats, Tampa's got the walkers. <laughs> Francisco Lindor carrying oh the God. carrying the, the 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 president's trophy past Ducky's Bar and Grill in a walker. <laughs> <laughs> they have their little uh, their rascal scooters going down the street. <laughs> that's what the floats are going to be on. Yep. Oh my God. Yeah, that's uh. a hell of a sight to see down in St. Pete. Kind of want to see it now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Just I'd go to that parade. Fuck it. I would. Ha- oh my god! Yeah, you get such a good view of the players because you'd be the, like the youngest people. <laughs> you'd there. be the tallest one there. Yeah. <laughs> All five eight of me will be the tallest one there. Yep. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, go race. <laughs> go race. <laughs> oh my god. 
But yeah, that's, that's, so that's that's just a crazy thought, though. Not but the parade, so, but the trade. Yeah, I mean, and the parade. <laughs> and the parade, yeah. Another another fun piece I'd want back in that, just because I'm, in the words of Heath Ledger's Joker, I'm an agent of chaos. Um, <laughs> I want the Indians to go get Yandy. If we're going to make a trade with Tampa for Lindor, give me back Yandy Diaz and his giant biceps. Oh, my God. Give him back. He, all he all he talked about is how unhappy he was in Cleveland. It's like, yeah, actually, you know what? Come on back, bud. <laughs> yeah, let's treat you better this time around. Yeah, probably not, but... <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like Dolan's really ready to pony up for all his players. Oh, yeah. Uh, a couple coupons, and you're set. <laughs> all right, moving past the tribe. Uh, Major League Baseball, um, kind of, what are we going to call this? Expanding? Traveling? Uh, either way, they had their first game in Omaha, Nebraska, uh, as kind of a kickoff for College World Series week. Uh, between the Royals and the Tigers, because that's what's going to draw the fans in. Yeah, that's uh, almost that's well, selling more tickets than the walking parade, I think. <laughs> what did you think of this move to have a game in Omaha? I actually really liked it. Um, for as, Ooh, as okay. much as I, as much as I don't like them going to like different countries and, and all that shit, um, I do like this because I think this was a cool way to kick off the World Series, the College World Series. Um, and I just, I mean, the teams or whatever, uh, Royals and the Tigers aren't really putting asses in the seats in that stadium maybe, but I, I think it's a cool idea. And it also comes out, to, you know, before the season started, there was talk Manfred, um, and his team had spoken a little bit about, you know, potentially expanding the MLB. So I wonder if they're going to start doing more of this with like destination games in certain cities, just to see what draws more fans uh yeah, just you know, putting talk- their toe in the water yeah and i i think it's a smart way to do it too because the mlb for me i've never thought that they needed more teams um and, and maybe i'm just such a baseball purist but i kind of like having the 30 teams we have i feel like it adds more competition um you know getting mm-hmm. a playoff spot in this league for me means so much more than say hockey or basketball yeah, where it I seems like half the fucking league makes it so um, but, but yeah, I, I like the way they're going about it. If this is the reason why, and if it's purely for promotional reasons, then I also like that too, because I think it was a cool little novelty type of game they did. I hope that in the long run, they can get more, more games like this instead of sending teams overseas to London. Yeah. So I came in here ready to argue tooth and nail that I fucking hate this. Go for it. Um, no, but you kind of swayed you. You kind of swayed my opinion though, because yeah, like the ah fuck, damn it. Um, <laughs> so to me, all right, and, and I'm gonna use the word you used as a baseball purist. Omaha is sacred. That is yep. college baseball. I don't need pro baseball in Omaha. You have the Omaha Storm Chasers, and they can play in their rinky dink ballpark. But that ballpark is for the College World Series and for some reason the Creighton Blue Jays. Yep. Yep. But that ballpark to me is College World Series, and this seemed like a forced move to try and get fans in already one of baseball's biggest or hidden hubs, I should say. Yeah. I think it's cool, though. That's like the novelty aspect of it for me. Um, because yeah, the, the I ballpark, get that. the ballpark has history, so that's why it's cool. You're sending them to somewhere where 
to your point, so much has happened and so much will happen. So that's why I like this move. I don't like if they go to like, you know, Mexico City, London, Puerto Rico, shit like that. Toronto, just good nods. They're fine. Um, but shit like that. Give where... me Montreal. They have a game. They have a team in Toronto. Yeah, I know. No. Uh, <laughs> Canada in general. <laughs> okay. Okay, yeah. <laughs> no, but th- this was fine, but though. So, but so, like, the way I, when I first looked at it, like, I don't want to watch. I'm trying to think of two shitty NFL teams. Uh, I don't want to watch the Cardinals and the Raiders play in the Rose Bowl. Right. Yeah. So I, why? So why do I need two shitty MLB teams to play in in the College World Series stadium? Well, I think to your point, there was more like dipping their toes, right? And I think yeah. geographically speaking, with the Tigers being and the Royals being somewhat close. Uh, for traveling in that sense, that makes a little bit more sense. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think this was more or less just them dipping their toes. I would like to see it evolve if they're going to do it again with two better teams. To your point, I don't think I'd want to watch the Royals and Tigers again, or God forbid, you know, the Orioles and the fucking Marlins or something like that. That would yeah. be that would be really bad baseball. Um, in in that case, just give me the what, college what? teams. I was going to say, put the college champ up against the Orioles right now. Oh, my God. I would love to see that. I th- Honestly, so, okay. I think it would be close. I don't know. I See, like, these college versus pro games, I always have it. Because, like, that's the best of the best going against, up against guys that won't get drafted. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, that's true. That's a good point. I just think the Orioles are so uh, fucking bad. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um. So, do you like the the Williamsport game? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Okay. I do, yeah. See, I I liked that. I liked that more than I liked this. I think, I know, I I get it. Um, I like this more just because of the lead into the World Series. I think it's like a a cool way to kind of set the precursor, especially for the kids playing in those games, too. Get, you know, seeing the pros there uh, on their field that they're going to play on. I feel like that gives a, a little bit more for them in terms of just, you know, the moment that they're in. Um, so maybe I'm looking at it a different way, but that that was my takeaway from it at least. Yeah, I like that. Um, all right, right now, if you were to if you were to expand, we'll go, you'll go to City, I'll go to City. Expand the MLB to 32. Where are we putting teams at? Number one, I'm putting one in Charlotte, and I'm, and I'm not expanding. I'm moving the Rays to Charlotte. Oh. All right, so now i got to move a team. Fuck, because we can't have 31. Um no, we can. We just shouldn't. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll expand it. We'll expand <laughs> to thirty-one. Um, and the obvious answer here is Montreal, but I'm saying no because Montreal lost the team because of attendance. So I'm not yeah. going to give them a second chance at it. Um, I'm going to say I'm going to say Portland. Portland, Maine. I think or Portland, Port- Oregon. Portland, Oregon. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> I, I although a team in Maine, I feel like. I feel like that's an untapped sports market, maybe. Yeah, and playing in April would be extremely untapped in terms of attendance. Tough. Tough. It's got to be a dome. <laughs> yeah. No, I like Portland, right. Oregon, though. Uh, I like that. The Portland... The Portland. What are they at? The Portland Timbers? Is that the soccer team? Yeah, so they'd be the Portland Hipsters or the Avocados. Yep. The Portland Avocados. There we go. Yep. <laughs> the Portland Tinders. It's just... It's actually a... Ma- it's, <laughs> Plot twist, it's a dating app. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Oh, they could do such uh, great promotions with that team. <laughs> oh, uh, my God. All right. Moving on. Uh, all-star voting. We've seen the the first uh, little bit of the first preview, the first two previews now of the votings have been released under its new format. And so under this new voting format, and it used to be top nine are your, your starters, and that's all there is. Now, the top three at each position move on from the primary vote to the the starters election, which will be a 28-hour voting period of those top three at each position. Mm-hmm. And the other 23 will be chosen from a player's vote. Uh, first of all, before we dive into the specifics, what do you think of the new format? Uh... I like it more than just, like, the fans voting blindly, if that makes sense. I know they can still fuck yeah. the numbers up on this, because obviously they're taking the top three, but I like <clears> it. <throat> I Royals like it. fans. <laughs> <clears throat> Rays. Um, no, nah, just kidding. The Rays are great this year. <laughs> but, yeah, they're, they're flying out from the retirement homes to put their votes in. Um, <laughs> they're stuck we gotta in the stop. ballot boxes. <laughs> we got to stop. I feel like we're going to get some backlash. <laughs> Um, Who are we kidding? They don't know how to work podcasts. Exactly. Um, no, but I think I like this better than just fans flooding the team. Like, to your point, like, if we saw, like, Orioles and fucking Royals and, and all that stuff, I like it so it's it levels the playing field more so so that when you get to that, the primary to the starters election, whatever they're calling it, it gives it a little bit more of balance uh, in the voting system because the fans vote sucks. And either way you cut yeah. it, it's the dumbest vote because anyone can fucking vote and anyone can vote five times a day. I think it is or was. Yeah. So, you know, you're there's someone's going to get screwed no matter what. There's no perfect way to do this. And it should be like the manager's votes. But and the fans should have a say, but not don't leave all the power to the fans like this, because I say I like. Yeah, I, I think I think a cool system would be the players and managers vote, and then if you want to leave two spots open for for fan vote, and it's like oh this player got saved by the fans, like you know what I mean? Like I think that'd be a cool way to do it. Yeah, no, I I agree, and I like the two spots because when it was one spot, it was just so it's so bullshit because you just you're bringing it down to obviously two players that should be in it anyway. I feel like right. Um, because yeah. it, I mean the, the voting itself, I, and Tommy Pham actually had a pretty funny quote, uh, just in terms of not how real or true it is, but saying, you know, Boston and New York will flood the votes anyway. So it doesn't matter for teams like us and players having great years on small market clubs. He's not completely wrong, but at the same time, it's like, dude, if you're playing as well as you think you are, then you should make it right. Um, yeah. So and at yeah. the same time, yeah. The, wait, wait. Hold on a second. Seven. So you're telling me, all right, the teams with more fans have a bigger impact on the vote. Yes. Am I wrapping my – stop. That can't be right. No, obviously. <laughs> like, uh, no shit. The Yankees and the Red Sox who have – who are nation or worldwide brands – are obviously going to have a bigger, bigger impact. No shit. <laughs> Sorry, all My, twelve of your Rays fans aren't pushing it. Are pushing the the ballot boxes? They got supper to make at six at six thirty. Yeah, they're in bed by eight, so it's tough for them. Um, <laughs> no, but it's, we're pushing it's, this narrative hard. <laughs> I know we really are. Jesus Christ. Um, no, but I, I get it. But it's like, dude, if 
that's why the fans vote sucks though, right? Because I feel like we say we see the same all-star team every year. Is that like such a stretch to say like even if players no, aren't having not. great years, um, we'll still see them in the starting lineup because to, to your point, uh, and Tommy Pham's point, the you're right, the Yankees like these big market teams have more fans and therefore more power to vote. And it's it's that's exactly what it is. So that's that's why the fans voting in general and having so much power in this vote is just so stupid to me. Yeah, so your boy, Aaron Judge, has played in what, nine games? Uh, more than that, but still, I mean, come on. And he's like, what? He's looking at it, looking at it right now. Uh, seventh among outfielders. Yeah, like that shit. We know he doesn't deserve it. Um, at least above from... above above your MVP pick, Joey Gallo. Oh wow, I didn't see that. That I couldn't above find Above Tommy Pham. Yeah, above Pham. He's he's eighth. Yep. Um. So as it stands now, all right. Here would be your. Uh, Eh, yeah, let's do it. Gary Sanchez is the top vote getter for AL catchers. Wilson Contreras for NL catchers. Luke Voigt for AL first base. Josh Bell NL. Tommy Listella seems like a uh, a, a bigger vote getter at second base, leading second baseman. That seemed like a surprise to me. Yeah. Uh, Ozzy Albies uh, leading NL second baseman. Bregman leads AL third baseman. Arenado, no surprise, leading a- NL third baseman. Jorge Polanco and Javi Baez, the shortstops. Trout Springer, Michael Brantley, the AL outfield right now. Bellinger, Yellick, Acuna, the NL outfield. What are your biggest surprises looking at the uh, the ballot right now? So the Listella thing is a huge surprise, but this is also to my point where I think it's good to see other players get in there, and he's very deserving. Um, he's not – so let me put it this way. Listella is not an all-star caliber player, but he's having an all-star caliber year, so reward the guy for it. Mm. And I like that take. Because that's exactly what he is. But coming into the season, his, his numbers were absolute ass meat. He should not have been an all-star pick. But he has had an amazing year in Anaheim. So I'm all for it. I, But, you know, the second, second base in general – and I don't want to get too far into it, but there's much better second baseman than him, in my opinion. But I do like the idea of Listella making the team, maybe not starting, but making the team is Agreed. Nice. Yeah. Agreed. For me, the biggest the biggest one was James McCann. And I guess I'd, I haven't looked at his numbers and how good of a year he's having. The guy's hitting 324 yeah. as a catcher. Um, so maybe, maybe like you said, he's, gotten, he's having an all-star year. Not an all-star player, though. James right. fucking McCann. Who would have thought? Um, also, Francisco Lindor being fifth and would currently not make the All-Star game. Yeah. Uh, how long was he hurt for, though? He came back when? May? Uh, early May, yeah. Early May. I mean, there's still enough of a but, sample size. Yeah. So. I was going to say, en- enough of a sample size, uh, and he's kind of the opposite of these guys we've been talking about. All-Star player, maybe not All-Star numbers. Sure, no, for sure. That's the same thing with Judge. I mean, Judge hasn't really played, so that's, like, that's a whole other thing. Yeah, and, and this goes back to the voting of, I mean, Derek Jeter was voted a starter when he didn't play a game the one year, right? Uh, yeah, or, I believe so. Or am I thinking or, of Kobe? I'm thinking of Kobe. That's for the NBA, but Jeter, in his last year, um, his farewell, I mean, you had to pick him for sentimental reasons. It's just all that shit, but uh, his last year, he was not good, so... Him, I mean, I knew he was going to make the All-Star game. It's Derek fucking Jeter. It's like Michael Jordan 
you know, not getting yeah. voted to the All-Star game. For, so, so situations like that, I get. But, yeah, for that, I mean, it's, the judge thing for me it just speaks volumes to how dumb the fans are. Or just how much, like, the homers that we have in this sport. I would say, fans just tend to vote with their with their loyalty. Yeah. And, like, the Indi- the Indians are pushing every day. Oh, vote Tribe, vote Roberto Perez into the All-Star game. Like, no, nah, there's a reason Christ. he's 10th. There's, there's a reason he's 10th in All-Star voting among all catchers. Like, he is, yeah. like, no, let's just not. Um, well, yeah, it's the same thing with, like, when you look at those teams. Like, the Rays definitely, you can make a case that Brandon Lau should be the second baseman, the starter for the second baseman. Um, you could also make the case that Tommy Pham should be starting. So it's just a matter of, you know, can we get enough fans to do it? And that's why I just don't like this system. I think it's just very flawed. Yeah, agree. And I don't think there's necessarily a a right way to fix it, like we said, unless you add in like a full player's vote and then a fan the fans save it. Or the fans save two. I think the fans um, should get two. If that like Yeah, I, I'm cool the, with that. I'm cool the, with that. They should get two at the at the end, um, to sneak someone two other players in. And that should be it. I think the players should vote on who they think is the best in their respective league, right? They they yeah. see these guys more than we do, so let them vote. And they have a better understanding than we do. Siri, call Jordan. <laughs> was that... <laughs> uh, that was mine. <laughs> I know it was. That's why I said it. <laughs> Whenever I hear people's Alexas and stuff go off over the phone or on on a podcast or something like, or, well. This is a pretty unique situation. I always try and get people to, or try and get a get their shit on that. I immediately <laughs> threw it after you said that, so I don't know if it's calling him. He's gonna be in class. Just listening to this, calling Gordon Von Denham in the middle of class. That'll be great. Yep. <laughs> Putting together his next uh, betting model for the MLB. Speaking of betting models, awesome, awesome transition there. Uh, a potential sports book going in at Wrigley Field after an Illinois bill or after an Illinois bill permits sports gambling in the state the Chicago Cubs are apparently uh, mulling over the idea of putting in a sports book in the historic ballpark seven how much would you love to gamble inside the ballpark when you're there oh that would be awesome I just don't think it's feasible for this to happen throughout the league Um, a because of state laws and legislation around just gambling in general and then B, you're, like, I don't think MLB would want to turn their, like, their pristine, you know, sport that's not tarnished at all, JK, obviously, um, but they they don't want to turn this into, you know, like, the fucking racetrack, because before yeah. you know it, it's going to be just people showing up just to gamble, and they're not going to watch the games, and that's, so, I okay. think that, that's the big fear with doing this, um, I think it's cool to test it out in a place like Chicago, though. I think Wrigley's the perfect place to do it. Devil's advocate on that. How electric would it be? You sit down in, in your seat, you know, on the third base side, you're behind the netting, um, and you got this little palm, like almost like a palm pilot at your seat, and it's a, and you just log in, and it's like, all right, uh, next pitch, ball or strike, minus 110, minus 110. And you just go every pitch, and you're betting like quarters at a time. That would be kind of cool, but at the same time, it's going to get out of hand quick. Because I, I can tell Very you right true. now, you're going to get some heavy hitters walking in just ready to gamble, and it's going to turn into the fucking racetrack. And that's... That's fair. I, I just... I think it would be cool, personally, for like those small little prop bets, Um 
not so much for what I think it's going to turn into if you just start popularizing it that much. Yeah. So I wonder, like, if, like, with, the with like you said, the small little prop bets, if you could almost put caps on them, and it's like, okay, $5 max. Right, and I think you'd have to, like, do something like that. Because before I think, you know, I think just... it'd be fucking electric. Oh, it'd be great for, like, if you do it the right way like that. But if it's, we, I know it wouldn't be like that after a while. No, because yeah. they just you're 100% right. Gambling. Yeah, because it would be a huge revenue stream, too. Because, I mean, when you put gambling in front of a bunch of drunk people at a baseball game and you give them the opportunity to start prop betting live, it's going to be absolute chaos. I mean, I feel like everybody's done that from at one time or another. You just go to a game and you and your buddies are sitting there like, Okay, I bet you this. I bet you a quarter. This, but this pitch is a strike. Bang. Okay, I bet you this one's a ball. Bang. Okay, he gets, I bet you he gets a single. You know what I mean? And then think I though, like everybody's done that from time to time. When you give the accessibility though to thirty thousand people, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> watching the game, they're all watching the same thing, and they all have access to the same bet. That's when I think chaos ensues. But I agree with you. I, I mean, we've all been there, like just making little side prop bets during the game with our friends or whoever we're with, but giving the power to the people like that in terms of just letting just watching the world burn in terms of like because they're not <laughs> watching the game anymore they're just watching to see their fucking bets cover fair very fair all right um so speaking of gambling uh if you're like me and you're tired of playing your season-long fantasy after being married to injuries in the first month be sure to check out thrive fantasy it is a new prop bet based daily fantasy lineup game and the concept concepts are real simple Choose an over-under for a player's given statistics. So think like Chris Sale earned runs or Cody Bellinger runs plus RBIs. And it's your job to combine one of the highest scoring lineups for that night. If you do, you cash in. Thrive Fantasy is located in the Apple and Google Play Store. And for June, receive a $10 match for free when you deposit $10 through PayPal. So whether you're looking to play $2 games or play $100 games, Thrive Fantasy has a match for you, so use our code BREAKDOWN, that's B-R-K-D-W-N, and receive $10 free dollars when you deposit $10 through PayPal, that's B-R-K-D-W-N. Thrive Fantasy, prop up with us at Wrigley Field, hopefully really soon. Um, <laughs> Can you imagine or the betting in Tropicana? Oh my gosh, if... if Eunice and Gladys just throwing nickels around Tropicana. I feel like the penny slots. To... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my... It, like, oh my god! I can We're gonna see have to now. We're gonna have to retitle this episode. Fuck the olds. Oh <laughs> my god! Jesus Christ! No! 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 We can't we'll be known as, as that. Is. Not the ages podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh, let it be known that that gap to gaps opinions on the olds do not reflect that of the breakdown or our CEO Gordon Von Denham exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ let's wrap this thing up get to our curtain call seven go ahead alright I got two actually so one of them we kind of mentioned earlier um, it, and this is very depend. both of them are dependent on how both teams end up but if the indians for whatever reason go into full sell mode i think francisco lindor will go to the race um and that's my big one i know yep so um <laughs> he'll go down there and party with gladys and he'll go to bed at eight thirty every night when he's not playing um i also think <laughs> the nationals will be 10 games back by the time of the all-star break 
All right, give context. What are they at right now? I believe they're seven or maybe five and a half. Let me double check. I could be thinking of the Mets too. No, they're eight and a half. Eight and a half back. They're eight and a half? Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that's fair. Ten games back. Yeah. I like that. Uh, I'm going to go in the opposite direction. I hinted at it earlier. I'm going to say we're going to keep Lindor in Cleveland because we're going to get hot here. The Indians are going to be four games back by the All-Star break. And the reason I say that is that, like I said, the favorable stretch of schedule, they're getting healthy. Um, I think Jose Ramirez, is he's hes starting to find it. He had a really good weekend up in Detroit this weekend, uh, had a few doubles. he hes, he's I think he's starting to turn the corner. Um, I think the stars are starting to play like stars. We're getting healthy. Um, I think the Twins... They, they, for as tough as a stretch the Indians have here, or as easy as a stretch the Indians have, the Twins have a little bit of a have a have a little bit of a go here. They got the Red Sox now. They got, uh, I think, uh, they got New York coming up too in, within the next couple weeks. Correct? Uh yeah, I believe so. Yep. Yeah, so so they got a pretty unfavorable stretch compared to the Indian stretch. I think the Indians are going to chip away and, and they'll get to four by the break. I like it actually. For I do actually I. I think that could happen. So, um, sorry, Tampa, you're not going to get Lindor. <laughs> we'll see. It, <laughs> I hope. I hope not. I hope not. But I, let's let's just keep Lindor away from the early bird specials. Oh my and... god! <laughs> All right, that wraps up another episode Jesus of Gap to Gap, brought to you by the Breakdown Sports. First seven. I'm Tommy Caraselli. Saying, see you. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away If you can use some exotic booze There's a bar in far Bombay Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away Come fly with me, let's float down to Peru In Lama Land, there's a one-man band, and he'll toot his flute for you. Come fly with me, let's take off.